Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the new balancing act for James Gunn. What can Battlefield 5 offer the Battle Royale genre? And get out your tourney brackets because March Madness is here. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our Irishman when it comes to Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. I got a wee bit of luck of the shamrock, laddie. <laughs> you know, this is, it's this is funny because it's the one day of the year I actually I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not because I'm actually Irish. So it, it's actually this is the most comfortable day of the year for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I got any Irish blood in me, but I do know I'm a Scotsman. As well, actually, my hair was once red, but that was a long time ago. It's now fully gray but we won't go there but hopefully they've had a fantastic saint patrick's day weekend hopefully they've had their share of of the lager of a wee bit of happiness and joyous festivities over the weekend but we are back to a great week of pop culture right here on the pop culture cosmos you know what everybody out there has got to get out their tourney brackets it's that time march madness is here whether you're a basketball fan or not, or whether you just like to pick random numbers, it is that time again. The tournament challenges are out, and we got our picks for March Madness coming up later in the program. We're also going to be talking about Battlefield Five. Guess what? They're doing their own Battle Royale, and we're just going to ask ourselves later on in the program if EA is making a smart move by doing this, considering the fact that they already have a Battle Royale that just came out last month. Is this a wise move by EA? We're going to be asking that question and delving into if they can really make headway with a new Battle Royale from Battlefield 5. Plus also as well, what kind of plans does Sony have really for the Spider-Man whole Spider-Man universe? We're going to talk about that at the back end of the show. Plus we've got great songs coming up by Vedius and also Hyperschmidt as well. But first off, my friend, Marvel never ceases to disappoint because they made some interesting maneuvers over the past weekend. 
that may have flown under the radar in light of the fact that everybody was just so excited about the Avengers Endgame trailer, plus also Captain Marvel just doing gangbusters at the box office. It's now over $750 million worldwide. Another great weekend there for Captain Marvel. They made a couple of interesting maneuvers as far as directors are concerned. One returning to the fold and another coming in that's really going to be hopefully shaking up the superhero genre even more. Well, I heard about James Gunn. Who's the other one you're talking about? Dustin Daniel Credden. He has been hired for Shang-Chi. Oh, geez, really? First off, we're going to be talking about James Gunn, who's back in good graces with Disney and Marvel and all that good stuff. So it looks like that they were went ahead and and forgive him for the past statements that he said on Twitter that got him fired in the first place. Looks like he was able to go ahead and reacquire his seat. I know a lot of people are thrilled about that. A lot of fans out there really just excited about what's going to take place with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mean, it was good that they were going to keep his script in the first place, but now it seems like it's going to be even more awesome because James Gunn is actually going to be able to complete the trilogy in full that he started that really took the Marvel Cinematic Universe to a different level. You know, that was really surprising news. Did not ever see that happening. But it puts Disney in this weird situation because they kind of lead the industry and, you know, in diversity and, and things like that, like social issues, I guess. And it's weird for them to do something like this because now what happens now? They're creating the standard. My hope for this would mean that we stop being petty and going after people for things they said on social media, you know, 10 years ago. I'm hoping that puts an end to that kind of thing. But at the same time, like the world is watching, right? So is Disney saying that that kind of behavior is okay? Or what spawned the decision? Was the decision always there, but they just, people just wanted to see action and they need to punish somebody and they had always planned on bringing him back. How did this whole thing get put into motion? Because that news really came out of nowhere because originally Waititi was supposed to direct it, right? Like that, he was the. Well, he was, he was, I, I believe he was asked. I think yeah. he turned it down. And I think, oh, I know he joked on Twitter that he said, hey, that was my gig. I think he actually was just doing it to just troll everyone out there. But I don't think he had any real intentions to go ahead and replace James Gunn. I know there were not a lot of substantial rumors about a replacement for James Gunn in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which always left that door open for you to think, hey, maybe they're going to go ahead and bring them back in. Obviously, with the intent of the other actors out there that express their opinions on the subject about retaining James Gunn, especially when it comes from Dave Bautista, who was really adamant about that in no uncertain details. I mean, he was very, very specific. But the cast signed a letter as well, wanting to keep James Gunn in the director's seat. It didn't work at that point in time, but I think when it comes down to not a lot of directors wanted to go ahead and jump into the director's chair, even though they were going to keep this whole time James Gunn's written script, that was not going to change regardless. And although there was, it was in some peril, but Disney had stated they were going to go ahead and keep that script regardless. And it just seemed like a matter of time since that seat was left unfilled. And Waititi, who was their original thought that was going to possibly go into that chair, declined that request by Disney, that it looked more and more like it was going to be a return to James Gunn because they still had every intentions of producing and making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, even though it got delayed a year in doing so by all this going back and forth 
as in regards to James Gunn. Right, right. And I, I honestly, I, I don't feel he should have been fired in the first place. And I'll make that, I'll be very vocal about that. But it, you know, again, we're living in this time where you, where people are being, you know, crucified for things that they, they did or said on social media years ago. Dan Harmon disappeared from the world for three days because he was clearing out his Twitter profile. So it, it's, it's an interesting, I don't know, it's just a very interesting thing because if, is Disney saying, that this behavior is okay, and since they lead the industry, it does this mean that we're going to stop using social media to attack each other? Has has that dichotomy changed, in your opinion, because of this decision? I don't think it has changed per se. I still think Disney's going to do what Disney's going to do if it if it really hurts the image that the House of the Mouse has, and that the House of the Mouse is trying to uphold. I don't think it's going to change that too much. I think you're always going to have your trolls in regards to the James Gunn situation. And as it gets closer to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it's I think it's going to be just something that they're going to have to deal with. But then again, they were dealing with trolls when it comes to Captain Marvel. And the movie itself performed quite admirably and seemed to be not affected in the slightest by all the the trolling and the review bombing and all the comments made by the alt-right and and conservative groups that were trying to go ahead and undermine that picture. I think that they will try to go ahead and do that again around the time Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 gets released. But regardless, I think the same thing is going to happen again where all their efforts and whatnot are not really going to come to any fruition with any type of success because we've seen that right now with the current success of Captain Marvel. Well, it's weird that you, you say conservatives because there are, I know a lot of conservative groups who were behind James Gunn when that whole thing happened. So maybe that's a generalization. Disney does stir the pot a lot when it comes to social issues and it is showing, you know, as far as Captain Marvel, Black Panther, James Gunn, stuff like that. I am on the side of James Gunn. I want him like that's freedom of speech. You know, I'm as as someone who teaches government economics, I'm totally behind that kind of thing. So it, it's just it. I don't know. It's a very weird time that we're living in. And I'm hoping that this what Disney is doing by rehiring James Gunn goes to it stops the witch hunts. You know, it stops you from doing that kind of thing, because if we could all I've said this in a social media post the other day, if we could all strive to be a little less like Huffington Post, then I think the world will be a better place. And you know, the whole witch hunt uh, character defamation thing is the kind of things that that like Huffington Post thrives on, you know, and it just. Well, there's a lot of other publications, right, right and left. Right. That's not to single out the Huffington Post because there's a lot of ones that are on the right. There's a lot of ones that are on the left that do the exact same thing and even right. to a greater extent fabricate their own stories and, and all that. So, I mean, it, it, there's there's the press that goes out there in this day and age that tries to do it straight up. And then there's the ones that are like lean it and put it to their own slant to the right or to the left. And then there are the ones that just go ahead and just make up anything that they want out of thin air and just go ahead and apply it to it. Right. But that brings me back to this question. What is the cost of a click? What are we doing to people? You know, as you and I both know, because we studied journalism was the fact that the most important thing back when journalism was started was that you always have your sources, always fact check, never like character defamation was a huge no-no. Not unless you had you had proof of something. And even back then, like say they had Twitter, or Facebook back then, that would would wouldn't have even mattered what James Gunn did. So I hope that Disney is setting the stage here for a a massive change in terms of the kind of things that we used to go after each other. 
just let people be people. Maybe this will change the game a little bit. Maybe people will look at what Disney did and be, well, you know, if Disney rehired James Gunn, we can't use this kind of thing to go after people anymore. And that, in my opinion, is a amazing step forward in the division that we're all suffering from right now. And I agree with you on that. If they're willing to go ahead and, in this case, let bygones be bygones, and James Gunn is truly remorseful for his actions and words way back when on Twitter, and Disney is allowing to forgive him in order to continue the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, then you know what? Maybe we should look at some other issues that are of that level or less egregious and go ahead and make the determination from there on allowing other individuals. There are some that made statements in more recent times that we know are not remorseful, that the quick, okay, I make this statement that's controversial or that's really outlandish, and then the next day I'm so remorseful. Okay, you know what? That was how you felt yesterday. That's that's still how you feel today. We we we're pretty sure that you know you're you're going ahead and and just saying that to try and save some face and whatnot. But when it comes to something that was said 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whether you're a political candidate or a public entity of some type, it's still, you know what, let's give somebody the room to grow as a human being and as an individual in order to go ahead and, and say, you know what, maybe we should reevaluate them and give them one more chance because it was done in such a long ago fashion. Would that be what you're you're trying to assess as well? Yeah, because in the case of an artist, like if if someone is is saying something obviously artists are very emotional but if somebody says something and then you're losing a chance to see their art because somebody overreacted to something or the artist got overly emotional at a time when maybe they were just didn't quite know who they were or what they were trying to figure out then the world is at a loss you know the world is at a loss for the things that could have been over something like that and in the case of james gunn i I have stood behind him this whole time, and I hope that this is a an example of things that should not happen in the future. Let's hope so, my friend. Let's hope so. Let's hope that things like this, people that are saying things from way long ago that are being held against them and not allowing them to grow and, and show that they've they've taken a different path, let's hope that other entities and other situations like what Disney did in, in reinstating James Gunn to be director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will continue to happen down the road. And if Disney can do it and Disney can go ahead and change their mind, I think maybe in certain cases, maybe we should go ahead and look at that as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com that's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. But there's also another directorial hire that's out there for another Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that I want to talk about. And that is for Shang-Chi. And Destin Daniel Cretton was hired for this. And it just looks like, yes, 
the diversity factor is coming full forward with an Asian director taking care of the directorship in this, I guess, what, a martial arts oriented type superhero film. I want to hear your thoughts on Shang-Chi. This is of great interest to me because you and I have spoken about our love for martial arts films as a whole, not only the growth in the what late 60s, early 70s, as far as martial arts films coming to America, but the involvement of that to the superstars of the 80s, 90s, and today, as far as how the martial arts genre has really just, you know, I guess, just enveloped us in many different ways and also enveloped so many different aspects of our entertainment and pop culture. Yeah, so I know we talked about this a little bit back when Iron Fist. Yeah, we talked about this a bit when that announcement was made and how I was saying, you know, he's a product of the times, yeah, yeah, and the, everyone's saying he should be played by an Asian actor. But, and I, I had brought this up. I was like, well, Shang-Chi was the Asian, like his Asian counterpart in that comic book, and people never really talked about him. He was not featured in the Netflix show at all. And I'm stoked to see that he's given his, his own movie. Like, that was something, because he's such a lesser known hero that it surprises me that he's being given his own movie instead of like a Netflix show, because he was always the the counterpart to Danny Rand. He was the, I don't know, this sounds bad, but he was the sidekick. You know, he's the the person who is always keeping Danny Rand out of trouble or saying, hey, that's not culturally appropriate. So he was like the balance to to well, Danny Rand's character. That's similar to what they had as far as the Asian stereotypes before with Bruce Lee's original right. introduction to uh, television entertainment as far as from an American standpoint when he was like in a supporting role as Cato to the Green Hornet. Right, right. So, and, you know, it's weird because, like, even today we kind of get that type of thing, right? Like, we want, anytime you watch a movie that features primarily Asians, right, you assume that there's going to be karate of some kind in it. And it's just, it's nice to see that in a world where a movie like Rich Asians can be successful, that we can maybe get a movie like Shang-Chi and have it go into the Marvel Universe and have it be something that people are actually interested in. Where do you stand on it? What do you, I mean, what are your feelings about Shang-Chi getting his own movie, such a smaller, lesser known property? How is that any different from the Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean, they were a little known property and the individuals that make up the Marvel Cinematic Universe Guardians of the Galaxy were even a little known property of the little known property because they weren't even the first five that were uh, on the forefront of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the first place. So I have no problems with it at all. And as I've spoken to you about many times, you and I both have a love for martial arts films and, and the Asian culture as far as what it represents. I, I don't mind at all. People might say, oh, well, this is a play for the Asian marketplace and yada, yada, yada. I have no problems at all with this. I think it's great. And as the diversity grows within the superhero genre, the first female-led in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Black Panther, obviously we know what that did as well. Both of those movies are, well, in the case of Captain Marvel, looks like it's going to hit a billion. And Black Panther went well over a billion dollars. So diversity, which you and I both have said is long overdue, is finally happening. It's finally reality. And it's great to see. And I have such an affinity for excellent martial arts films that this is no problem. And I, I like I said, I'm just enjoying it. And it just brings a different aspect than the standard run-of-the-mill superhero movies that we may see and we may get tired of after a little while, because if it's just the same type of superhero, then it's really not going to appeal to audiences after a you know after an extent of time. I mean, after Avengers Endgame, 
you have to go ahead and, and reach different parts of the superhero marketplace in order to keep attracting that large audience. Because if it's just another, I'm a powerful dude or a powerful individual, and I'm just going to go ahead and bash my way through everything in order to save the day, that gets old after a while. I mean, look at what's happened with DC. They've now had to go ahead and revamp everything and look at it from a different aspect because it just got so samey after a little while and underdeveloped and underproduced. So I have no problems with this at all. No, neither do I. Like, I'm actually very excited to see this happen. But do you think in this time when we're getting so much controversy over everything, do you think people are going to accept this? Or do you think that we are kind of down the rabbit hole of controversy right now like do you think that with captain marvel black panther yada 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 people are going to be because did rich asians really get a lot of flack i don't remember if there's any controversy surrounding that there wasn't really a whole lot of flack as far as crazy rich asians are concerned i think it just didn't have a lot of expectations in certain areas it was a big surprise that it hit it looked at a, a part of the asian culture I know a lot of people had not really actually delved into. Now, it didn't hit as well in the Asian market that I think the producers and the film company wanted it to, but everywhere else, it was a major hit. Obviously, it was something that I really enjoyed being at. It was the number one movie for me for 2018. And I think going forward, people need to go ahead and look at the Asian market and Asian influence as far as a great source of stories and information that could entertain audiences worldwide and not just one select area. We were talking about the other day with The Wandering Earth. That has garnered over $600 million in China. What if that is the next hit on Netflix and that it gets something that is expanded to a worldwide audience? It's just another aspect of our culture that we should look at and embrace and see it for what it is as far as good quality projects that are out there. And Shang-Chi is something that down the road looks like it's going to be another big hit for Marvel. The way they produce it, the way they market it, the way they promote it. I see a lot of good things for that film. And I'm just excited to wait and see what will happen with Shang-Chi going forward. No, and I completely agree. I'm super stoked about this because I always love reading about Shang-Chi in the comic books. I always thought he kind of needed his own space to shine in do you think they're going to make any because his world revolves around danny rands do you think that they're going to make any references to iron fist in that movie when it comes out no i'll just be honest with you the lack of success of iron fist on netflix the the uh brushback from it i really don't think that the danny rand character especially the actor who played him got such poor reviews i just think there's a bad taste with Disney and Marvel when it comes to Iron Fist and that failed experiment with Finn Jones, his performance, even with season two that you said was a little bit better, had a little bit more promise. I think there was such a bad taste in Disney and Marvel's mouth that, you know what, it would probably be best to develop his own story. And if that's the case, it helps audiences more if it is his own story, I think in this case. So it allows him when there's time to go ahead and have Shang-Chi be a part of the Avengers and be a part of the whole group ensemble, that if he has his own complete story where it's his development and from his perspective, I think it just appeals to a lot larger audience. And you know Marvel's willing to go ahead for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and make creative changes that benefit the actual movie overall. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I would I mean, honestly do. I hope that we do see 
more Iron Fist in some iteration further down the road, just because it is such a classic comic book. But, you know, as far as Shang-Chi goes, there's not really a lot out there about him. So this is kind of Marvel. It's a unique opportunity for Marvel, too, to kind of create something from scratch to create their own mythology here and i'm really curious to see what they're going to do with it how is he going to tie into things is he going to be a bigger part of what's to come or is he just going to be a stopgap movie i really am intrigued to know how that's going to play out they wouldn't be doing it if he wasn't going to be a bigger part of the marvel cinematic universe picture i think he is going to be a part of the avengers and the whole nine yards let me ask you this in some of your favorite films of all time is there something that has a Asian influence or martial arts influence in it, because it does for me with the Raid Redemption and the Matrix, which has a heavy martial arts influence on it as well. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon films, not so much the second one, but like but the love, first one is excellent. First one's excellent. I, I love the It Man films, anything with Donnie Yen, Legend of the Fist. Like I've always uh, Jackie Chan's Drunken Master. I've always been really into that stuff. And I don't mean to sound like that you're you know, your typical white guy who's obsessed with Asian culture, but I do love those movies, you know, and it, it's just, I would love to see much in the way that Black Panther brought like Forrest Whitaker to screen and all these other uh, African-American actors. I would love to see people like Donnie Yen, uh, maybe Tony Jaa, who is, who's been in the Fast and the Furious films, maybe to see actors of that caliber be in this movie in some form or fashion. Exactly. Some of the uh, actors that we've come to know and love as far as and, and appreciate, such as Jet Li, Jackie Chan, those individuals are a little bit older now. So they only have so much mileage left in the tank. And with their health and whatnot, after doing so many stunts for so many years, it looks like it, they're going to have to be a new and even what you you were talking about, Donnie Yen, there has to be a new generation of martial arts stars that people can go ahead and and appreciate out there. And, you know, with these older stars like Donnie Yen, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, now on the way out when it concerns their time in the sun as far as the martial arts universe, they're going to have to be newer, younger stars ready to replace that that can actually be appealing to a worldwide audience. And I believe Shang-Chi will go a long way to doing that, just as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 looks to be heading back into a right direction as well. What are your thoughts out there on the big changes in the director's seats for both Shang-Chi and, of course, James Gunn returning to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about EA once again, delving into the Battle Royale genre. Is it a little bit too soon? We'll wait and see, because Battlefield Five here, coming up very soon, will be dropping its own Battle Royale. We're going to be talking about if it's going to be successful long-term. Plus, also, later on in the show, Sony has many plans for Spider-Man. Plus, we got our picks for March Madness coming up as well. But first, it's our good friend, Chris Valenta, a.k.a. Vedius. This is Somnus from Final Fantasy XV. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. EA is doing it again, my friend. Last month, everybody was just excited to see and and hear what was going on with Apex Legends. It has burst onto the scene, becoming a major force in the Battle Royale genre. But lo and behold, EA is not resting on its laurels because after Anthem, after Apex Legends, they announced that Battlefield 5, I believe on March 26th, is going to be dropping a Battle Royale of its own, which had been rumored and talked about for some time. But... Let me ask you this, my friend. Battlefield Five coming out with its own Battle Royale to make its case for the Battle Royale genre. Is it something that's too soon? Does it make it too cluttered for their own products to go ahead and succeed? Does it really just mean that EA just doesn't really understand as far as its own marketplace about competing with each other? And in other words, are they just cannibalizing themselves? Yeah, I think they're getting to the point where they're competing with themselves, but they're also... Maybe they're trying to put so many products out into the market of the same caliber that they're hoping it will give them monopoly over the market. Because if you look at Fortnite right now, Fortnite's getting kind of desperate in the way that they're marketing things. You know, they're trying to be Sea of Thieves, they're trying to be Apex Legends, they're trying to be all, all these other things just to say, you know, just to keep people in their game and say, we have the stuff that the other games don't. Whereas EA's approach to the whole thing is just putting out as much of the same thing as they possibly can. And what that's going to result in, I don't know. It's either going to work in their favor or it's going to have them cannibalize themselves or it's going to create a burnout of EA products. Whatever happens first, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work, but it just feels like a stupid move to me. Where do you stand on it, though? I just think it's a really dumb move by by EA to go ahead and do this. Again, Anthem should have been delayed. With all the issues, especially the day one patches and all that, that we talked about ad nauseum, that has created such a problem for Anthem that's helping them fall down the charts that made Anthem one of the lowest games in the Bioware library. It just, you know, that that game should have been put on the back burner over into the fall. And Battlefield Five doing a battle royale in it on its own should have been something that maybe should have been delayed into summer. Space these things out. Schedule these things out because, like you said, and like like it's apparent out there that they're just cannibalizing themselves. And you know, you were supposed to, you know, with EA Origin and all this other stuff that you can go ahead and access all these games. That that's great that you can, but you're trying to go ahead and have your product succeed by going ahead and putting them in the highest possible platform. And even with all the television advertisements aside that they gave Anthem, 
Apex Legends is trouncing Anthem, and any success that's going to EA right now is coming from Apex Legends. It's not coming from Anthem, which is going to hurt Anthem and Bioware long-term, and Anthem is soon going to be an afterthought in the video game marketplace. Now, you're going ahead the month after you just released Apex Legends. Instead of doubling down on Apex Legends, you're going ahead and introducing something new with Battlefield Five which is already a game that people have back in the rearview mirror anyways. Yeah, you're trying to bring it back to the forefront, try and garner more sales from it. But the best thing for EA to do was to go ahead and put it out at a later point in time. But it all comes back down to those progress reports, those detailed things you got to go ahead and send out to the stockholders ending the fiscal year on a strong note. And it just clearly looks like EA was catering to the shareholders and not catering to the interests of their own long-term business plan because all these releases just before the end of March signals to me that they're just trying to go ahead and put out what they can to the end of the fiscal year and that's it. They care about nothing else. And in time, they're going to regret that decision because not only will people not have the kind of interest in Battlefield V's Battle Royale because Apex Legends just came out and they're still playing that, also Anthem coming out when it did having so many issues because it looks like it's a rush product, even though they delayed it already once, just looks like it's just going to be something that's not going to end up well for Anthem and possibly even Battlefield V's Battle Royale because people are not going to have as much interest in it because they're too busy playing Apex Legends. Yeah, EA really just needs to pick a product and stay behind it. It's weird because they are with Battlefield Five. It it goes back to it goes to show you really like it, if I were to watch see this objectively as someone who doesn't pay attention to any of the numbers or anything, it feels like EA is never going to escape that mentality of being all about the numbers. So no matter how much goodwill they get from fans from the little tiny fixes and patches that they do, they always are putting out this image that they are all about the numbers and the investors and stuff like that. So. Do they actually care about the gamers? It doesn't feel like it because it feels like even now in the midst of Apex Legends and Anthem and stuff like that, that this was a rushed out product and it's probably not going to be that good. And that is something that has become typical of EA in the past three or four years. Exactly. It just looks like something that EA will probably regret down the road. But you know what? This is EA. They weren't voted the worst company in the world two years running for nothing and it looks like that they don't learn from their past mistakes yes they're trying to cater to whatever is going on at the end of the fiscal year because the end of the fiscal year i believe is the end of march that's why they're bringing out all this stuff beforehand it just looks like you know what they should have put on the brakes did they expect the kind of interest in apex legends that there is I don't think they did that they were going to have it to that extent because there is a lot of interest in Apex Legends. I think they were betting more on Anthem, but instead they should have gone ahead and just taken a look at the market realistically and said, you know what, we've got three products here which we could really get behind. Let's space them out and put them at different point in times to go ahead and maximize our profits at any time in any fiscal year instead of just trying to cram them in before the end of fiscal 2018. What are your thoughts out there on EA's decision as far as not only to bring out three major changes to the video game marketplace within a little over a month's period of time? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, 
Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. It is March Madness. It's tourney time. Everybody's getting their brackets together, just trying to calculate out who they think is going to go all the way. And as every year happens, that first round, that big sound you hear, that explosion you'll hear, Josh, is going to be the sounds of everybody's bracket getting busted. (laughs) So be that as it may, sometimes actually some of us do get lucky and they're able to go ahead and fare somewhat well. I've actually had a chance every now and then to fare pretty good as far as the NCAA tournament bracket is concerned. I've been able to follow it somewhat closely this year. So Josh is going to hit me up with some questions as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned to give you maybe a little helpful idea on on who might be a team that you might think, okay, they're pretty good. They're pretty solid. And who Vegas thinks it has a great shot to go all the way in the NCAA basketball tournament? Because I know everybody's going to be around the water cooler. They're going to be doing those office pulls and and all those other things. They're just going to be able to calculate out who is going to go far in the NCAA tournament with all their bracket challenges and bracket things and all that. So, Josh, you're going to go ahead and head off the segment as far as being the man laying the questions on me. So, Whenever you're ready, my friend, lay it on me. What are the questions that you have for us today in regards to March Madness? As you know, I'm an avid basketball fan. Just can't get enough of it. The uh, <laughs> just Putting that, that ball in the hoop and running back and forth on the court. Huge fan. Huge fan. So I prepared very carefully and very articulately, sat down and came up with these questions for you and dug into my, uh, <laughs> my big box of knowledge here. And this is my first question for you. How will the top seeds fare in the tournaments? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, my friend, because, I mean, that's what everybody points towards, too, as far as the top seeds in each region, whether it be the West, the East, the Southeast, or the Midwest regions. I mean, they're all very tough as far as once you navigate into the Sweet 16. It gets really intense, and pretty much anything can happen, and usually does. But right now, the NCAA tournament, they have commissioned... Four number one seeds out there in University of Virginia, University of North Carolina, Duke, and Gonzaga. I know a lot of people are looking towards Duke as far as going a long way because they do have the returning Zion Williamson. And my gosh, this guy has already been anointed the first draft pick in the NBA draft coming up because he's so dynamic and everything that he can do makes things so much more exciting. And he makes Duke that much better as far as the team is concerned. And right now in Vegas, Duke is the favorite at 11 to 5 odds. Gonzaga, which had a really great season, again, overall, is about 5 to 1. They have some great players, a nice starting five. Can they go ahead and find success once again in the tournament? We'll have to wait and see. North Carolina, that's a team that I really like. They've had some games where they really played very well and played strong against the other top teams that are being considered because you got to figure there are three teams from the ACC in Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke, all as top seeds. And North Carolina, to me, of those three top seeds, are I think is going to probably go the farthest or probably be the one that might actually taking it all the way, in my opinion. They're my favorite right now. They're at six to one odds. Virginia, which always plays great defense, they're eight to one. 
I really think that they're going ahead and primed to do some great things. Duke, if Zion can keep going the way he's going in the past couple games since he's come back from injury, obviously you got to put Duke right there. But for me right now, I think the other four teams that are number one seeds in each region, I think that North Carolina, to me, looks like the team that might go all the way this year in the NCAA tournament. All right, next question. Where could the early round upsets happen? That is a good question, my friend, because as you've seen over the course of the first two rounds in the NCAA tournament, there's always going to be one, two, if not more games that really just get upended all over the place as far as a team that we thought was going to do well, or a lot of people thought that was going to be projected to do well in the NCAA tournament gets blown out or gets upset in the first or second round that really just shakes everybody's tournament bracket up sideways. I have a feeling right now, I think I'm going to probably say the one that I'm looking towards as far as an upset is concerned is going to be in the Midwest region. I think the Georgia State-Houston game, if there's a long shot, that might be where I would be heading. Either that or I would go probably with Ohio State over Iowa State in the Midwest. I think either of those two could be a real potential upset Murray State and Marquette in the West, that also has some upset potential. Oregon and Wisconsin in the South region, look for that. Oregon barely snuck into the tournament, but you know what? They still have that type of momentum going in because they fared very well in the Pac-12 tournament, and that momentum could take them past Wisconsin in that first round, so look for that. And one more I think a lot of people should look at as far as an upset in the East region, St. Louis and Virginia Tech as a possible, possible upset because I don't think Liberty is going to be able to get close to Mississippi State. I think if anything, St. Louis might have a chance to go ahead and be very competitive against Virginia Tech in the first round in the East region. So you I gave you a little bit of taste of what's going on as far as possible upsets in each region. West, like I said, Vermont and Florida State, that might be a good one. Murray State and Marquette, that also has the signs of possibly being an upset as well. So there is the potential for a lot of good upsets, I think, this year more than some other years. But then again, it could go status quo. It could go chalk, chalk, chalk all the way. And it goes either way. It's so crazy. That's why it's March Madness. But I think there is going to be a few upsets. They're going to go ahead and surprise everyone out there and also upset a lot of tournament brackets that are out there in those tournament challenges. Okay. Last question here. Who are the sleepers that could surprise in the tournament? If you're talking about sleeper, I think I'm going to probably go with a team like Nevada at 101. Nobody has given Nevada any type of chance at all this year. In fact, they were ranked for a good portion of the time in the top 10 in the country this year. So I'm actually considering as a long shot Nevada as a potential sleeper in the tournament to get to at least like a sweet 16 or maybe even further. And the other team I'd probably say that's a long shot or a sleeper that might have a chance to go very far in the tournament this year, I'm probably going to have to say Kansas because Kansas, even though this is a down year for them, They have the coach that's gone all the way. Everybody's down on Kansas at this point in time, but that's the best time you might want to be interested in in taking a look at them as a possible sleeper. They're 70 to 1 shots right now, which is very long for them. They haven't been this long odds in quite some time, which could be to benefits to a lot of gamblers out there, a lot of people looking to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. 
If you've got a chance out there to tell me your thoughts on March Madness, share your thoughts with us today, including our Inside Sports Facebook. You can go ahead and message there as well or at Inside Sports on Twitter. We'd love to see your brackets. We'd also love to have you as part of our Inside Sports PCC Humanica Media Bracket Challenge that we've set up. We've set up a group just specifically for that, for people who follow our shows at ESPN. So look out for it. It's Inside Sports slash PCC slash HM that is available today on the ESPN Tourney Challenge. Love to have you a part of it and see your thoughts on who's going to go all the way in the NCAA tournament and brave their way through March Madness. Well, coming up next, we've got our great friend, Chad, and this is Hyperschmidt. This is About to Win, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with it. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out. I'll do what it takes to get you
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week, you can check out our listings real easily on our social media at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you look on our Facebook page, not only will you get the latest and greatest in news and information, and plus all of our stuff when it comes to the world of pop culture, but you'll see a whole bunch of listings of where we're being played at, not only all of our radio listings, but a lot of our podcast listings as well. Josh, I know you got a lot of great things going on, my friend, when it comes to Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? We are doing Topic Oculus still. So we just there's a new episode going out tonight. And if you want to catch up on the Topic Oculus Award show, all four episodes are out now. And also you can check us out on the podcast radio network on Tuesday nights. That's again the Topic Oculus show, which you can catch on Podbean, many podcast outlets, and every Tuesday night on the Podcast Radio Network. We just want to go ahead and thank Bettius. We also want to thank Hyperschmidt for having their great songs on today's program. My friend, before we head on out, want to go ahead and talk a little bit what's going on with Sony because they have some big plans for Spider-Man. I'm not just talking about the Spider-Man film universe when it comes to Venom and all the other projects that they have coming up, including, of course, Spider-Man Far From Home that's coming up right after the events of Avengers Endgame. So tell me, my friend, what does Sony have planned for a Spider-Man future? Obviously, they have the Morbius movie coming out with Jared Leto. And I don't know if the Black Cat or Silver Sable movies ever getting put into motion. I know there's a Venom 2 planned. Uh, obviously there's going to be a sequel to into the spider-verse but my big thing here is that they have seven years of films planned they don't have a spider-man and this whole thing reeks of desperation like it reeks of we're trying to create our own cinematic universe using spider-man characters we don't have spider-man we're going to use carnage but it's going to make a lot of fans angry because they want to see spider-man fight fight carnage so I don't know, man. Like, I want to see Sony and Marvel work cooperatively, and maybe we can have Tom Holland in these Venom and Carnage flicks because that's kind of the essence of Spider-Man. When you think of Spider-Man, you think of the big bads. You think of Venom, Green Goblin, and Carnage. But you don't think of any of these villains existing on their own. We don't want a universe of anti-heroes. People want a Spider-Man universe with a Spider-Man. So... Why is Sony doing this? What do they want? What is the end result? Are they going to completely destroy the Spider-Man universe? Because if you think about it, this can have dramatic repercussions on Spider-Man in the MCU. So are people going to stop taking Spider-Man seriously because of you know what's going on over in the Sony universe? It just it it feels like a mess to me and it feels like something that should not be happening and I don't know why it is happening. I'll tell you why it is happening. Hey, shoot, tell me. Venom's box office numbers. That's why it's happening. Despite the fact that you liked it, and despite the fact that I couldn't stand it, 
it still garnered well over $700 million worldwide at the box office. But well above Venom movies don't like don't get so desperate because remember before they had an Aunt May movie planned and it sounds like things have not changed in terms of how they want to market this universe and it's going to destroy it. Well, Marissa Tomei, I think a lot of people are just digging her as Aunt May. But I'm talking about Sally Fields like they had a whole movie planned around her. So that just goes to show you that they have very poor taste in what would be production quality. Let me ask you this with the Sally Field. Would they have called it the Flying Nun 2? Oh, dang. Probably. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> reaching way back when, my yeah. friend. Reach, reaching right. way yeah. back. But I want to ask you this before we head on out. With the Spider-Man universe going full blast because of the success of Venom. And that was the key thing. If Venom would have tanked, it would have just gone all by the wayside or most of it. If Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had tanked, I think they would have gone ahead and just maybe looked at things from a different perspective. But Venom didn't. Venom was a hit despite the poor reviews. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was not only a hit commercially, it won an Academy Award and was the best animated movie of 2018. Going forward, this is only giving Sony more momentum to do all these crazy things. And you and I know already from our experience and seeing, you know, seeing what Sony has done over the course of the time that there's going to be some hits but there's definitely going to be some misses. Yeah, but I'm more curious. Uh, definitely going to be some misses. And I, I, I'm feeling like Morbius is going to shape up to be one of those misses. But I'm more curious about what's going on behind closed doors at Marvel. How are they feeling about this? What are their thoughts? Is there any kind of intervention process going on here? Because it sounds like Sony is so desperate for money that they will destroy this franchise before giving it up before stopping to consider that just because they have the ability to make a movie doesn't mean that they should i know what they're thinking they're probably thinking the individual who greenlighted the sale of spider-man's property exclusively to sony in perpetuum that individual is not well liked right now at marvel whoever did that whoever greenlit it i'm sure he that individual is not well beloved right now at marvel because they see all this is going on at sony they know just like we do that while it's good right now, we know it can turn to bad at any given point in time because we saw it before with the Spider-Man 1, 2, and then 3, how it went off the rails by the time Spider-Man 3 came out. And then the same thing with the Amazing Spider-Man series, how that went off the rails even quicker. So fans out there get tired of what products that are put out there by Sony. It's shown that before in the past. And that could happen again real soon with the Spider-Man universe. But for now, I think they've got to say on the face of it, they've got to say everything's great with what Sony's doing. But I'm sure that there's a lot of concern right there at Marvel headquarters with what Sony's doing with their version of their own Spider-Man cinematic universe. I hope so. I honestly hope that there's some concern there. Or maybe, you know, and honestly, things might be okay if they could bring Tom Holland into it. You know, bring Tom Holland in even as just a side character, it's just, it feels like it's not, uh, it's just not what it should be. It, it's, it's a very desperate move and it's going to dismantle all the stuff that we hope to see come out of Spider-Man in the MCU. If they go ahead and use these properties. And that's the thing that concerns me, but it's the exact opposite of what we saw with NBC universal when they were going to do this whole monster universe, but the mummy tanked right off the bat. So that completely obliterated that universe. This might be a slow burn, but then again, we could be proven wrong 
and they may put out enough quality products that appeal to the fans where the Spider-Man universe will be a viable property for some time to come. I know you and I both don't have enough faith in it. I hope eventually that we will have more faith into it. We're seeing turnaround signs from DC and Warner Brothers that they're getting themselves on the right track with their own set of movies. Let's hope the same stays for Sony when it comes to their own Spider-Man universe and that they don't overflow it with enough properties to have it all falter and that it will affect our thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. I hope so, man. I just I hope they're giving some thought into the repercussions that this is going to cause. As do I, my friend. As do I. What are your thoughts out there on Sony and its own Spider-Verse? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, I wanted to mention before we head on out, our friends at the ESO Network, they just did a great show covering some classic sci-fi as far as Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. You want to check out that episode today and also join up with their ESO Network Patreon where they get a lot of fan sneak peeks on some of their shows. So that is, again, the ESO Network's look at Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. You want to give that a listen when you get a chance. It's actually very much worth listening to. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, actually, I am going to be posting Devil May Cry videos on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So be on the lookout for that if you're one of those people who likes to watch games instead of play them, which I, from what I understand, is like 60% of gamers these days, which makes me sad. But go ahead and be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for that, indeed. Plus, also as well, you've got coming up in a little over a month, you've got our charity event at Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, and our big panel at the Level Up Expo. That is going to be on Saturday, the 27th. You want to check that out as well. We'll be providing more information in the weeks to come. But if for tickets, you want to check out LVLUPEXPO.com. That's levelupexpo.com. For more information on how you could be a part of an awesome pop culture experience, the Level Up Expo. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right, we're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to esopodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.